Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, December 11th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over, excuse me, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all covered from a biblical worldview my brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing great work for the kingdom. I would definitely recommend you go on over there. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something over there to listen to. And there's a very good chance you're going to find more of there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. So, you know, awesome, you know, first world <laughs> issue to have. Um, so, uh, let's see. I also want to point you at the next last link in our show notes. It is for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Gives In Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commit the establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community. So go ahead and click on the link. Pastor Jace provided a very thorough description of what we're trying to do. And after you've given it a read, we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we'd ask you to pass that link along so that others can do the same. All right, well, we're back into the week. We're in the new week. And if I'm lucky enough, well, actually, if I'm lucky enough, actually, I know, because um, honestly, I'm recording this Sunday night, that uh, our daughter-in-law has not gone into labor. So she is being induced. So when you're listening to this, she will be induced. So sometime in this day of uh, December 11th, I will have, well, assuming it comes quickly, I will have a new granddaughter little Evangeline, who I'm looking forward to loving. I've, I have not had daughters. My wife and I were not fortunate enough to have daughters. And I have two wonderful daughter-in-laws who I love greatly, but I'm looking forward to having a little girl and being wrapped around her finger, um, because I'm sure I will be. Um, so how, how blessed we are by God to have this second grandchild coming and having a third coming sometime in the middle, near the middle of next year. So how, how blessed we are. But anyways, since we are in the week on Monday, uh, we are going to be doing our Bible reading this morning. Again, we're getting towards the end of our Bible reading plan for the year. And then we'll be do, back into our Bible study at John chapter 16. So let's go ahead and open up this morning. We're opening up with the second day morning prayer. It's called God Overall. Let's pray. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever God over all. 
blessed eternally, infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring in thy care. Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives, and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right. Well, our morning devotion here for December 11th, and from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, the text is from 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Heaven is a place where we shall never sin, where we shall cease our constant watch against an indefatigable, I don't know if I said that right, indefatigable enemy, because there will be no tempter to ensnare our feet. There the wicked cease from troubling, and the weary are at rest. Heaven is the undefiled inheritance. It is the land of perfect holiness, and therefore of complete security. But do not the saints, even on earth, sometimes taste the joys of blissful security? The doctrine of God's word is that all who are in union with the Lamb are safe, that all the righteous shall hold on their way, that those who have committed their souls to the keeping of Christ shall fit find him a faithful and immutable preserver. Sustained by such a doctrine, we can enjoy security even on earth. Not that high and glorious security which renders us free from every slip, but that holy security which arises from the sure promise of Jesus that one who believes in him shall ever, shall ever perish, but shall be with him where he is. Believer, let us often reflect with joy on the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, and honor the faithfulness of our God by a holy confidence in him. May our God bring home to you a sense of your safety in Christ Jesus. May he assure you that your name is graven on his hand, and whisper in your ear the promise, Fear not, I am with thee. Look upon him, the great surety of the covenant, as faithful and true, and therefore bound and engaged to present you the weakest of the family, with all the chosen race before the throne of God, and in such a sweet contemplation you will drink the juice of the spiced wine of the Lord's pomegranate, and taste the dainty fruits of paradise. You will have an, an antipast of the enjoyments which ravish the souls of the perfect saints above, if you can believe with unstaggering faith that faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. All right. Well, our reading for the day, uh, as I said, we're getting towards the end of our reading plan. So we're in Amos. We're in Amos 4, 5, and 6. We're going to be reading from Revelation 2, verse 18 to Revelation 3, verse 6. We're going to be reading Psalm 130 and then Proverbs 29, verses 21 and 22. So hang on a minute. I need a little bit of water. All right. So Amos 4. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to their husbands, Bring now that we may drink, 
Lord Yahweh has sworn by his holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you, and they will take you away with meat hooks, and the last of you with fish hooks, and you will go out through breaches in the walls, each one straight before her, and you will be cast to Harmon, declares Yahweh. Enter Bethel and transgress. In Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, and offer a thank offering also from that which is leavened. <clears throat> and call for, for, for free will offerings, cause, cause them to be heard about. For so you love to do, you sons of Israel, declares Lord Yahweh. But I gave you also the cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, declares Yahweh, and I also withheld the rain from you. While there were still three months until harvest, then I would send rain on one city, and on another city I would not send rain. One portion would be rained on, while the portion not rained on would dry up. So two or three cities would wander around to another city to drink water but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares Yahweh. I struck you with scorching wind and mildew, and the gnawing locust was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares Yahweh. I sent a pestilence among you after the manner of Egypt. I killed your choice men by the sword along with your captured horses, and I made the stench of your camp rise up even in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares Yahweh. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand delivered from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me, declares Yahweh. Therefore thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, and declares to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn into gloom, and treads on the high places of the earth, Yahweh God of hosts is his name. Amos 5 Hear this word which I take up for you as a funeral lament, O house of Israel. She has fallen, she will not rise again, the virgin Israel. She lies abandoned on her land, there is none to raise her up. For thus says Lord Yahweh, The city which goes forth one thousand strong will have one hundred left, and the one which goes forth one hundred strong will have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says Yahweh to the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile, and Bethel will become evil. Seek Yahweh that you may live, lest he come mightily like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel, for those who overturn justice into wormwood and put righteousness down to the earth. He who made the Pleiades and or Orion and overturns the shadow of death into morning, who also darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. Yahweh is his name. It is he who flashes forth with devastation upon the strong, so that devastation comes upon the fortification. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor, and take a tribute of grain from them, though you have built houses of cut stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted desirable vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions are many, and your sins are mighty. You who distress the righteous, and take bribes, and turn aside the needy in the gate. 
Therefore at such a time the one with insight keeps silent, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, in order that you may live, and thus may Yahweh, God of hosts, be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil, love good, and set justice at the gate. Perhaps Yahweh, God of hosts, may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore thus says Yahweh, God of hosts, the Lord, I'm sorry, therefore thus says Yahweh, God of hosts, the Lord, there is wailing in all the plazas, and in all the streets they say, alas, alas. They also call the farmer to mourning, and professional weepers to wailing. And in all the vineyards there is wailing, because I will pass through the midst of you, says Yahweh. Woe, you who are longing for the day of Yahweh, for what purpose will the day of Yahweh be to you? It will be darkness and not light, as when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him. Or he goes home, leans his hand against the wall, and a snake bites him. Will not the day of Yahweh be darkness instead of light, even thick darkness with no brightness in it? I hate, I reject your feast, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to, up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Remove from me the tumult of your songs. I will not even listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you present me with sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for forty years, O house of Israel? You also carried along Sekuth, your king, and Kiyun, your images, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. Therefore I will make you go into exile beyond Damascus, says Yahweh, whose name is the God of hosts. And Amos 6. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, and to those who feel secure in the mountain of Samaria, the distinguished men of the first of the nations, to whom the house of Israel comes. Pass on over to Kalneh and look, and go from here, from there to Hamath the Great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines, and they better, and there, I'm sorry, are they better than these kingdoms, or are their borders greater than your borders? Do you put off the day of calamity, and would you cause the seat of violence to approach? Those who lay down on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches, and eat lamb from the lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who improvise, I'm sorry, who improvise to the sound of the harp, and like David have composed songs for themselves, who drink wine from sacrificial bulls, while they anoint themselves with the first pick of the oils. Yet they have not grieved over the destruction of Joseph. Therefore they will now go into exile among the first of the exiles, and the sprawler's banqueting will turn aside. Lord Yahweh has sworn by himself. Yahweh, God of hosts, has declared, I abhor the lofty pride of Jacob and hate his citadels. Therefore I will deliver up the city as well as its fullness. And it will be if ten men are left in one house, they will die. Then one's uncle or the one who burns his bones will lift him up to bring, a, bring out his bones from the house. And he will say to the one who is in the innermost part of the house, Is anyone else with you? And that one will say, No one. Then he will answer, Keep quiet, for the name of Yahweh is not to be mentioned. For behold, Yahweh is going to command, and will strike the great house to pieces, and the small house to fragments. Do horses run on rocks, or does one plow them with oxen? Yet you have overturned justice into, into gall, and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You who are glad in Lodibar, and say, Have we not put our own strength, I'm sorry, have we not by our own strength taken 
our name for ourselves. For behold, I am going to raise up a nation against you, O house of Israel, declares Yahweh God of hosts. And they will press down on you from Libo Hamath to the brook of the Arabah. All right. Now, Revelation 2, verse 18, and I need some water here. <clears throat> All right. Revelation 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, This is what the Son of God, the one who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance, and that your last deeds are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and deceives my slaves so that they commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not wish to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her on the bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. I'm sorry, into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not have this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3, verses 1-6 and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, This is what he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are a, I'm sorry, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Psalm 130, A Song of Ascents Out of the depths I called to you, O Yahweh. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you should keep iniquities, O Yah, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I hope for Yahweh, my soul does hope. And for his word do I wait. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning. The watchman for the morning. O Israel, wait for Yahweh. For with Yahweh there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. And it is he who will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And finally, Proverbs 29, verses 21 and 22. He who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him to be arrogant. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. 
All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. That is our morning segment. Thank you for spending this time with me. I I hope that this time together um, helps to keep you and I both saturated in the word of God um, as we are called to be. I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. Uh, This is called Scriptural Convictions, and it's actually about a minister's convictions. So let's pray. O God of love, I approach thee with encouragements derived from from thy character, for I am not left to feel after thee in the darkness of my nature, nor to worship thee as the unknown God. I cannot find out thy perfections, but I know thou art good, ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy. Thou hast displayed thy wisdom, power, and goodness in all thy works, and hast revealed thy will in the scripture of truth. Thou hast caused it to be preserved, translated, published, multiplied, so that all men may possess it and find thee in it. Here I see thy greatness and thy grace, thy pity and thy rectitude, thy mercy and thy truth, thy being and men's hearts. Through it thou hast magnified thy name and favored mankind with the gospel. Have mercy on me, for I have ungratefully received thy benefits. Little improved my privileges, made light of spiritual things, disregarded thy messages, contended with examples of the of the good, rebukes of conscience, admonitions of friends, leadings of providence. I deserve that thy kingdom be taken away from me. Lord, I confess my sin with feeling, lamentation, a broken heart, a contrite spirit, self-abhorrence, self-condemnation, self-despair. Give me relief by Jesus my hope, faith in his name of Savior, forgiveness by his blood, strength by his presence, holiness by his spirit, and let me love thee with all my heart. Amen. All right, again, thank you for spending this time with me this morning, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good day. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, December 11th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right. Well, this evening, obviously, we're going to be getting in to, sorry, I had to readjust my microphone there for a minute. We're going to be getting into back into our Bible study in John chapter 16. But first, we need to go ahead and open up in prayer. So let's go ahead. We're going to open up in one from Valley of Vision. This one is called The Mediator. Let's pray. Everlasting Creator Father, I have destroyed myself. My nature is defiled. The powers of my soul are degraded. I am vile, miserable, strengthless, but my hope is in Thee. If ever I am saved, it will be by goodness, undeserved and astonishing, not by mercy alone, but by abundant mercy not by grace, but by exceeding riches of grace, and such thou hast revealed, promised, exemplified, in thoughts of peace, not of evil. Thou hast devised means to rescue me from sin's perdition, to restore me to happiness, honor, safety. I bless thee for the everlasting covenant, for the appointment of a mediator. I rejoice that he failed not, nor was discouraged, but accomplished the work thou thou gavest him to do, and said on the cross, It is finished. I exult in the thought that thy justice is satisfied, thy truth established, 
thy law magnified, and a foundation is laid for my hope. I look to a present and personal interest in Christ, and say, Surely he has borne my griefs, carried my sorrows, won my peace, healed my soul, justified by his blood, I am saved by his life, glorifying in his cross, I bow to his scepter, having his spirit, I possess his mind. Lord, grant that my religion may not be occasional and partial, but universal, influential, effective, and may I always continue in thy words, as well as thy works, so that I may reach my end in peace. Amen. All right. In the evening devotion for December 11th, the text for it is from Colossians 3.24, Ye serve the Lord Christ. To what choice order of officials was this word spoken? To kings who proudly boast a right divine? Ah, no, too often do they serve themselves or Satan, and forget the God whose sufferance permits them to wear their their mimic majesty for their little hour. Speaks then the apostle to those so-called right reverend fathers and God, the bishops, or the venerable, the archdeacons? No, indeed, Paul knew nothing of these mere inventions of man, not even to pastors and teachers or to the wealthy and esteemed among believers was this word spoken, but to servants, aye, and to slaves. Among the toiling multitudes, the journeymen, the day laborers, the domestic servants, the drudges of the kitchen, the apostle found, as we find still, some of the Lord's chosen, and to them he says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. This saying ennobles the weary routine of earthly employments, and sheds a halo around the most humble occupations. To wash feet may be servile, but to wash his feet is royal work. To unloose the shoe latchet is poor employ, but to unloose the great master's shoe is a, pri- is a princely privilege. The shop, the barn, the scullery, and the smithy become temples when men and women do all to the glory of God. Then divine service is not a thing of a few hours and a few places, but all life becomes holiness unto the Lord, and every place and thing as consecrated as the tabernacle and its golden candlestick. Teach me, my God and King, and all things thee to see, and what I do in anything to do it as to thee. All may of thee partake, nothing can be so mean, which with this tincture for thy sake will not grow bright and clean. A servant with this clause makes drudgery divine, who sweeps a room as for thy laws, makes that and the action fine. All right. Well, like I said, we're back in our study of John 16, and I need a little little bit of water here, just a second. So we've moved into this new section, and actually we're going to wrap it up this evening, and we'll move into another new section, which, God willing, we will finish this week, Tuesday through Friday evening. Like I said, God willing. But we've been dealing with this section of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth. we got to remember, so so a little bit of context here, um, and I'm going to do this quickly, I, I promise. I know I say that, and I usually don't. It takes me, you know, 10, 15 minutes of a 25-minute program to give you background, but this is the upper room. This is the upper room discourse. Okay. This is, this is Jesus private, private ministry to his disciples, to the 11 that are left. Judas has gone out to bring the authorities back to arrest. Jesus hasn't come back yet. hasn't met them. He's going to met them in the garden, meet them in the garden of Gethsemane. Wow. Didn't say that right, but he's trying to minister 
still, I mean, and, and we've got to remember, we, we tend to forget this sometimes Jesus is within an, within hours of being apprehended, being reviled and beaten to the point of unrecognizability, and then to be crucified. The, the punishment, the, the, the execution meant for the lowest of the low, um, your upper level people, had they been arrested for the same kind of thing, even for murder, would not have been executed this way. I mean, even Paul wasn't executed this way. He was beheaded. Okay, so crucifixion was meant for the lowest of the low. Um, the fact is, remember, Jesus was placed on the, the hill of Golgotha between two thieves, which were considered the lowest of the low society. And he's within hours and going to face that. But again, he's been ministering to these disciples. He's trying to prepare them. Again, as we've talked about, their faith is struggling, okay? Their faith is struggling because, like we've said, they misapp they've misapprehended, they've misunderstood what it means to be the Messiah. Again, they know he's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. They believe that. They do. But they believe the Messiahship is an earthly Messiahship. That he Again, he's come to be a military, um, a military enforcer for them. He's going to put his foot on, and I've said this a couple times today already, put his foot on the neck of the Romans. Um, again, defeat them and isolate Israel, you know, circle Israel, um, give, bring them a temporal peace. But that's not the job of the Messiah. That's not the thing. The Messiah is coming to bring them spiritual salvation, not, not earthly salvation, not worldly salvation, but spiritual salvation, eternal salvation. Again, worldly salvation, we die. Humans die. How does bringing worldly salvation benefit us eternally? God focuses on the eternal. It's not that he doesn't care about the day to day with us because too many people want to see God that way that, oh, he set all this stuff in motion and then he's hands off. No, that, that is not God, not in any way, shape or form. That, that does not fit how God describes himself within the scriptures. But, um, let's see how much, but but he's focused on the eternal, on our eternal salvation or on eternal punishment. I mean, the fact is we all have an eternal life and it's, um, I, I actually said it today. I, I, I said, it's just like real estate. It's location, location, location is what matters. We either get an eternity in heaven or an eternity, an eternity in hell, an eternity of, of God's wrath of his punishment. Um, because Christ has not stood in for us if we are not saved. But so this is, but he's trying to educate them with this. He's trying to prepare them because again, their faith is already wavering because the fact he's made clear that he is going to be arrested and crucified and they, they accept that. I mean, they've seen that the things he says are true. So they believe that what he's saying and that's throwing them into a tizzy because they're, they're like, that doesn't fit with what we thought you were going to do. So he's been trying to educate them. And again, he's been trying to get across to them that he needs to go so that the paraclete will come, that the Holy Spirit will come, that, that helper, that advocate, as we've talked about. Um, and so that's what we're in with our verses um, for, you know, what was it? It was Thursday, Friday, and today we're looking at the Holy Spirit revealing the truth. And so we looked at the need for the Holy Spirit's revelation back on Thursday, and we looked at the, the extent of the Holy Spirit's revelation on Friday. 
So what we're looking at this evening is the goal of the Holy Spirit's revelation. So this is verse 13b through 15. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Actually, I'm going to read from the beginning of verse 13, 13a. So this, this kind of tells us where we're at. So John 16, verse 13 through 15. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So, again, we're starting in 13b. For he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Again, during, so, so we got to look at this during Jesus ministry, he made clear that he always only did the father's will. And we have multiple texts for that. John five nineteen. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing from himself unless it is something he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, these things, the son also does in the same manner. And again, at the time we dealt with this, I remember telling you about the fact, you know, you think about it. Um, I know when I was growing up, when my father was trying to teach me how to do things, I watched how he did them. And then I mimicked them. I imitated them. So this is what this is the implication. This is the imagery Christ is giving is that he sees the father doing them. And then he does them. The father is doing it to show him and he's doing them. John seven sixteen. So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but from him who sent me again, he's saying, my teaching is from God. I'm not making it up myself. My teaching is from God. He's been trying to make clear to them. And again, this is why we see them repeatedly through the gospels, people being just amazed at the authority with which Jesus was bringing this message because he wasn't sitting there trying to depend on, on the reference of man or trying to go, well, you know, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this men. He's like, this is from God. God is saying this. He's being very, very clear that the message he is bringing is from God. Now, um, John eight, 26 through 29, I have m many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I am saying to the world. They did not know that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. Again, when he's talking about when you lift up the son of man, they know he's talking about when you crucify me, then you will know that I am he and I do nothing from myself, but I speak these things as the father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. John 14, 10. Do you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak from myself, but the father abiding in me does his work. Again, Jesus is very, very clear that throughout his ministry, he is not doing his own work. He is doing the work of the father. He's doing the work of God. And thus we have to always realize, sorry, I need a little water here. We have to realize that the, <clears throat> the teaching he is doing and the work he is doing has the authority of God behind it because he's doing the father's work. Well, in that same way from our verse here, verse 13 B again, let me read it to you. Sorry. I had a kid's toy go off behind me. Oh, I know why. Um, 
verse 13 B for he will not speak from himself speaking of the spirit of the truth. So that's the Holy spirit. He will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So again, the, the Holy spirit, but whatever he hears, he will speak. That's what Jesus is saying is whatever he hears from God, he will speak or from Jesus Christ, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Again, he is going to relay that which God tells him to, to relay, he, what Jesus tells him to relay, he is going to relay. He's not coming with a message of his own. Okay. And we're going to see it be very, very clear. But again, he's coming in, uh, he's acting in complete harmony. This is from uh, MacArthur sp says it this way, that like the son, the spirit always acts in complete harmony with its, with the father. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Again, the Holy spirit is teaching us. The Holy spirit is bringing his revelation to us, the revelation he's set to bring to us. And as we talked about it, um, we see both. Revel, we see, or not both, but the three, revelation, um, let's see, let me say it again um, and see if I can remember, um, revelation, inspiration, and then illumination. That is all done within the will of God. That is all done in harmony with God and with harmony with Jesus Christ. Again, that part of the triune God, we have to always understand that the triune God, the three portions of the triune God, they are all in perfect harmony. Their wills are all the same. So again, when he comes, he is going to be bringing us that. Thus, what we're seeing here, that the goal of the Holy Spirit's revelation is to reveal the will of God, to reveal the will of Christ, which are the same thing. So we go on in verse 14 and 15. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit's primary ministry is to glorify Jesus Christ, as it was Jesus' responsibility to glorify God, as it is ours. Now, again, you know, Jesus was very clear through the scriptures that it, that Jesus, it was his job to glorify God, that he was there to glorify God. That's why he did God's will. That's why he followed God's statutes. That's why he lived his perfect life to glorify God. That's why he went to the cross. Yes, he went to save us, but he went to be obedient and to glorify God in his sacrifice. Well, the Holy Spirit in his mission is the same thing to glorify Christ. He comes as an advocate. Again, he comes as a seal. He comes as proof to you and I that we are truly saved and that the work of Christ was successful because otherwise, why would the spirit come in and dwell us if the work of Christ had not been successful? That, that would be ridiculous. That doesn't fit the characteristic of the triune, the characteristics of the triune God. Um, Merrill Tinney says of the, says of the spirit says that the spirit would not present an independent message different from what the disciples had already learned from Christ. They would be led further into the realization of his person and in the development of the principles he had already laid down. They would also be enlightened about coming events. He would unfold the truth as the disciples grew in spiritual capacity and understanding. Um, as John MacArthur indicates, the true believer loves the word of God and believes it because of the work of the spirit. Evidences confirm and validate the divine gift of confidence in Holy Scripture. Again, 
this we, we are the Holy Spirit brings um, confidence to us. It, it it turns around and it confirms for us what we've been told, what we've been taught. Um, John is very clear. I've I've talked about it before that um, John and his um, his footnotes. I mean, you, we re- realize John's gospel is the last of them written. And he tends, um, again, right at the end of uh, chapter two, he's very, very clear there that Jesus did these things and said these things because of this reason. And I, and I forget exactly what oh, he was speaking. He was speaking of his death and resurrection. Um, and he was, and John's like, he was trying to tell us of these things. But then John goes on in foot, John the apostle goes on in footnotes it, but we didn't understand this until he was resurrected, until he, until he returned to us. And again, and, and, and really it's more till he returned to us until we were infused by the Holy Spirit, till we were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's made very, very clear that the Holy Spirit indwelling them brought this revelation. Again, we talked to that, talked about that, the extent of the revelation. And we talked about that. That's where we talked about the revelation, the inspiration and the illumination. And again, I've talked to you about that, that you know, my own illumination, how all of a sudden so, uh, meaning started jumping off the pages at me and understanding of the verses started jumping off the pages at me. In in this case, verse 14, he will glorify me. So again, he's going to glorify him, but for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. So again, he takes of, of Jesus and we see that goes on into verse 15, all things that the, that the father has are mine. So again, all that, all that the father has have been given to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit takes of those that have been given to Christ and discloses that information to us, dis- discloses the information to us. And again, we are his as well. And so the Holy Spirit ministers to those of us that are given to Christ by God. So again, he goes on at the end of 15. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Again, he's taking of Christ. He's taking a, been taking of the knowledge of Christ. He's, he's taking of those of us that are saved and thus the body of Christ. Sorry, I need some water here. And are the body of Christ. And he's taking us and he's illuminating to us. He's edifying us. Again, um, it's like I talked about, um, and, I, and I know I said this Thursday, Friday, whatever, that we took 11 scared rats. And I'm not saying that to disparage them. I'm, I'm saying I would be one of them that upon Jesus arrest scattered yet upon the, up, upon the application of the Holy spirit, the, the infusion of the Holy spirit within them, that, that indwelling of the Holy spirit, that coming at Pentecost of the Holy spirit, these 11 men plus Matthias and Paul, carried this gospel to the ends of the known world to thus where here 2000 years later, the gospel has gone out throughout all the world. I, I, you know, that's the work of the Holy spirit in them. He disclosed it to Christ. I mean, those 11 were Christ's and the information being brought were Christ. So he took of Jesus's and disclosed this to them. Again, we see these guys, I mean, we see Peter who was a big mouth, you know, um, and I don't say that to insult. 
Um, I would probably be the same way. I, I actually identify pretty much Peter, which is not a good thing. I mean, and I don't say that to insult Peter. I say that to insult myself, um, that my behavior, you know, in a lot of ways can mirror some of Peter, but we saw him go from the guy who always had something to say, but, but particularly in the case of Jesus arrest, that he didn't live up to his word to being a guy that started the carriage of the information of, of the gospel into the Gentile world and took it to the point where he did end up dying for his faith. And in that case, per tradition, when they went to crucify him, he, he, he felt clearly that he was not worthy to be crucified as his Lord. So he asked them to crucify him upside down which I am sure was much more painful than being crucified upright. The changes that came about, again, like I said, they ran. The only two that followed Jesus after he'd been arrested were Peter and John. And eventually Peter, after he, after he denied him, disappeared. And John was the only one that was there on Golgotha. But again, he empowered them. I, I'm sorry. And, and even Paul, Paul's is one of the greatest stories because he was a huge blasphemer. He was, he was, he was a troubler of the church. And when I say troubler, I'm not, I'm not being, it's a, it's a good word and it's used well, but I'm talking, he was a persecutor. I'm talking, he was countenancing murder against them. He was torturing people to get, to get, I mean, this was, this was the first century inquisition. If you don't know anything about the inquisition, it was the Catholic church running around trying to get people to confess to witchcraft and devil devilry and you name it. And a lot of people that were probably very, very solid Christians were murdered. <clears throat> well, Paul was doing this in the first century to these people that were part of what they called the way, which was called the way because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. What became what we call Christian. And again, Christian was actually used as a disparaging term, not, not as an honorable term. And the first century church took it, turned it around and turned it into something honorable. But again, Paul persecuted them. Paul tried to murder them. Paul tortured them. Okay. Yet he became the biggest proponent and the biggest carrier of the word into the Gentile world. He built churches. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking built the church bodies. He provided constant contact with them. Letters to them, which we have in our New Testament, which provide some of our deepest and richest theology for you and I to learn and grow from all from the work of the Holy spirit, all from the work of the Holy spirit. And that's the goal of the Holy spirit's revelation. That was the goal for them to properly inform them and prepare them, um, to glorify Jesus Christ, but to also, um, edify us, to equip us, to prepare us through the word of God. Because the fact is, you can be, and I, and I've, I'm sure I've said this before in dealing with this section, and I'm going to say it again. You can be the most learned biblical scholar. And if you are not saved, you don't understand the scripture. You don't, you don't, 
There is a huge difference, and I say that having been somebody that while I wouldn't have called myself a biblical scholar, I had a decent intellectual understanding of the scripture, and that understanding was nothing, nothing compared to what was revealed to me upon being saved and the Holy Spirit taking up residence in my heart. Again, it, 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 wow. Worlds of difference, and we have to understand that, that the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of the scriptures, revealing the truth of God's word, the truth of Christ's word, and of Christ's ministry, that is so, so critical. I mean, that is critical to our salvation and to our walk. It's all part and parcel. It all works together. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this evening. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope this time together has helped to uh, helped you and I both to come to a, a greater understanding of the scriptures and thus helps to shape our walk so that we more and more walk like Christ. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. We're going to close out with the second day evening prayer. It's called Bounty. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thou great and only potentate, Thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our, our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, Thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope. Provide for every exigency and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right, again, thank you so much for spending this time with me this evening. I hope you have a wonderful night. I hope by for tomorrow morning I can tell you I have a granddaughter. Um, but again, have a great night, and I hope to see you Tuesday morning. Have a good night. God bless. Mm -hmm.